0: Let's pray over that. You know what? Let's just lift up first off those that are sick, children that are sick. If you go to this church, you know Jesus Christ paid a price with his body for us to be healed and for us to be whole. That is not our portion. Sickness and disease is not our portion. It's not our children's portion. And in fact, in Psalms 91, it says that no plague will come near our dwelling. I'll read it to you real quick just to... Put the word of God out there, because we're not just saying random stuff, throwing it out there, hoping that it happens. We're standing on the word of God. And in Psalms 91, it says several places. He says, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He's my God, and I trust him. He's my God. Say, he's my God. You know, and we're declaring that over these children, over these families, that, Lord, you are our God. We put our hope, we put our trust in you. We look to you for our help. Come on, somebody. And he says that if you believe that, that he's your God and I trust him, and I'm telling you, that's really, that is the essence of where healing begins in a person's body is when, when they stop running around and panicking and, and, and trying to go here trying to go there, and they simply look at the Lord and say, Lord, You're my God. I'm believing for you. You're alive, you're resurrected, and I'm believing that you are going to touch my body. And in fact, whenever nothing else can be done, I mean, that's the the humble place that you come to that, Lord, there's nothing else that can be done. You know, either you have to fix this or this just isn't going to be fixed. But we put our trust in God. He says He'll rescue you from every trap, He'll protect you from deadly disease. Praise God. He will protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He'll shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Praise God. So in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about holding up the shield of faith. Say the shield of faith. If I can, will you somebody make sure this air conditioner is on, please? Thank you. Tristan's got it. The shield of faith. And it says... Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly by the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Say the wicked are punished. You know, and everywhere that you read it, you read it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. We'll look at that in a little bit, but sickness and disease And it's not that a person is just wicked or horrible, but here's the point. David is saying this, that's not a part of my covenant with God, right? Other people may have to worry about that. Other people may be overtaken by the disease that stalks in the night or the arrow that flies by the day, but that I am not those other people. I'm in covenant with the Lord. I'm in covenant with the most high God. So just say this, say that's not a part of my covenant. If you're watching online, we have a family. Their kid is sick. First off, I want you to declare this. Say, it's not a part of my covenant. He says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you and no plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold up your foot with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. That lions and cobras and serpents, if you look at it through the scripture, it's always depicting an evil or unclean spirit. So I want you to tell that if you're watching online, you're believing for healing, you know, get that in your spirit. Number one, it won't come near your home. So we just declare that. There are angels of the Lord surrounding that home right now in Jesus' name. In fact, according to Hebrews 1, we released angels of the Lord ministering spirits. Come on, church, we release ministering spirits that said they are sent to serve those that will inherit salvation. And we just declare it, that if, she could, if they could see in the spirit, angels of the Lord now, surrounding that home specifically, that any disease, any sickness, any flu, man, if it tries to cross that threshold, that literally there is an angel of the Lord that steps in front and says, you cannot enter into this place. And then number two, it says that you will crush fierce lions and cobras under your feet. I want you to get aggressive. I want you to lay your hands on your children, and we'll join in faith with you. And I want you to believe, not that, well, Lord, please help me, or Lord, if it be your will, I want you to crush that serpent underneath your feet. I want you to take hold of it radically and say, I curse you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I command healing, the healing virtue and power of God to flow into this child's body right now. I command these symptoms to stop right now. Now, not tomorrow, not next week or next month. I curse it and command it to happen. Now we curse and and, and crush this serpent underneath our feet. Hallelujah. And the reason that we have the authority to do that is because Jesus already crushed the enemy and the serpent underneath his feet. That was the first prophecy of Jesus Christ in the book of Genesis, is that uh, it said from the offspring of man and the offspring of the serpent that their offspring would be adversaries of one another and it says that the serpent would strike his heel but he would crush the serpent's head okay Uh, that was the first prophecy of Jesus Christ in the entire Bible so let me ask you this when did when did the serpent strike Jesus's heel Jesus if you think about this he he was never sick we have no record of him ever being sick they tried to kill him multiple times. They couldn't touch him. They tried to push him off the edge of a cliff. He'd just walk right through them. But there was one point where he gave himself over to be crucified on a cross. And guess what? That was the moment that the serpent struck his heel. Are you with me? The enemy thought that he won. The enemy thought that he killed the Son of God. The enemy stopped that he thought that he stopped the work of the Lord. But what's the next part of that verse? He will, he will strike your heel, but you will crush his head. Come on, somebody. And that's what Colossians chapter 2 talks about, that, that the enemy has been defeated and completely disarmed. So when Jesus rose from the grave, he crushed the enemy's head. He crushed the serpent's head. And so now we have the authority in the name of Jesus to stand on that finished work and and basically, you know, we don't have to fight the devil. We just have to keep our foot over his head and enforce the authority that was given to us. Hallelujah. Healed in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. Say Say healed in Jesus' name. One more time, say healed in Jesus' name. One more time, say healed in Jesus' name. Amazing testimony. We had a, a, a lady start coming to the church. I'm not going to give too many details just for privacy. I'll let the family, you know, talk about that soon. But she started coming to the church, had never heard about healing, had never heard doctrine on faith, how to use your faith, how to possess things by faith, what the Bible even says about these things. And uh, she was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. She had it her whole life. Uh, and so there was number one. She came believing God. She's like, if what you're saying's true, I should I I don't have to live with fibromyalgia. And I'm gonna tell you, when you're a a preacher and you're a believer and someone comes to you and they're not just the Pentecostal that's loosey goosey goes with the flow. I mean, really coming in from a I'm going to test what you say and see if it's true or not. (laughs) How many of you know? You go praying, Lord please. Uh, We need a miracle. And so on top of that, she started coming, and, and then she said that her parent, one of her parents had been diagnosed with cancer. And she came with radical faith and told me, she said, I don't want you to pray for God to help, help them. Simply just help them, you know, guide the doctor's hands. She said, I am believing God that when they go get that scan, the scan's going to come back, and they're going to say there's absolutely no trace of cancer. There's no cancer in the body. And now, you know, that was radical faith. And in that moment, you know, again, in your flesh sometimes, and that's just the flesh. It it always wants to do what's opposing to God. In the flesh, I'm just like, you know, okay, you know, maybe. That's just the flesh. It's so stupid. We need to kill the flesh and, and, and live by faith with no doubt whatsoever. Wage war against doubt and unbelief, but I just joined in faith. Like, you know what? That's right. That's childlike faith. The Bible talks about having childlike faith. You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, Jesus said, you shall have it. Guys, I know I'm telling you, there's a whole realm of Christians that don't believe that God still does anything on the earth, and, and they believe that sometimes he helps, sometimes he doesn't help. It's all just chalked up to the sovereignty of God if he decides to do it or doesn't decide to do it. But you have some serious problems with those verses. Jesus said it in John, uh, Mark 11, uh, 11, 22-24. He talked about it in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16. You haven't done this before, but you'll go to the Father directly, ask anything, say anything, using my name, and he will give it to you because you ask using my name, and when you receive it, you will have abundant joy. That's amazing, isn't it? You can speak to a mountain, command it to be mo- removed and thrown into the sea. If you believe those things which you say and do not doubt, you can have what you say. You know, so she said, I'm believing God for this, this scan to just come back completely clear. And so, We prayed, and she said, you know, I've been going home every night. I've been going outside, and she said, I've been just radically decreeing. You are healed in Jesus' name. I curse cancer in Jesus' name. I curse that infirmity in the name of Jesus. She said she was doing it every single day, sometimes for an hour or more. Well, we got a text. I was in Florida. I got a text with a praise report. She said, Soon, can I talk to the church and tell you how, number one, the scans came back, and there is not any cancer in the body whatsoever. And number two, God's healed me of fibromyalgia. I'm not experiencing it. The Lord completely healed me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word is true. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, that's amazing. Is that exciting to you guys? That is amazing to me. God came through. His word is true. You know, she was saying things like, I would have never have known this without your teaching. And I'm like, it's not, number one, nothing to do with me. I'm not doing anything. We're just simply, this is what the Bible says. The Bible's there for anybody to read it, Right? Anybody can read this. But it just shows me that there's so many people that are suffering that don't have to suffer. There's so many people struggling in, with things in life that they don't have to struggle with. They just think they're leaving it up to God to sovereignly intervene and do something in their life to heal them, to touch them, to, to, to do these things. But he said, no, you have to speak to the mountain. You have to speak to it. Look at that, Mark 11 I know you guys know this, but, I mean, my gosh, look at this. Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And I'm going to tell you something as well. Nothing is impossible for the one who believes. The Bible says, Mark 9, 23. Nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. Nothing 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 nothing. We have to get back to this. Nothing means absolutely nothing is impossible. So that means that there's not one thing that cannot be obtained by using faith. You know everybody has faith. It's really not about having this great amount of faith. Jesus said if you have a mustard seed amount of faith, you could you could speak to a mountain and command it to move. It's not about just being the most Bible scholar theological you know i'm well studied and i've studied the bible for 70 or 80 years so now i can see some breakthrough from the lord in my life it's not about that he said even if you have a mustard seed so it's not necessarily how crazy great and impressive your faith is it's just simply learning how to use faith people don't know how to use faith a lot of people they have faith but it's all locked up and they have no idea how to use it to obtain anything Which maybe put a pause on Mark 11, and and I'll tell you this. I'll give you a real simple formula of how to use your faith. Romans 9. And then we'll go back to Mark 11. Actually, Romans 10, 9 through 10. Who in here is saved? Raise your hand if you say, I'm saved. I've called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says you cannot be saved without faith. You cannot obtain righteousness without faith. The righteous live by faith. So you had to use faith in order to obtain salvation, right? And so... What does that look like on a practical level? It's very simple here. This is the formula, if you will, for faith that says in verse 9 of Romans 10, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can you put that up in the New King James? Put that same verse up in the New King James. And give me a thumbs up when you. If you confess with your mouth, this is better. Say, confess with your mouth. Here's two parts to faith. Very simple. Number one, confess with your mouth. Say, confess with your mouth. Say, confess with your mouth. Say, confess with your mouth. mouth. This is where a lot of people miss it. They say, well, I believe God. I believe that God can do all of these things, but that's not faith. You may have faith, but that's not how you use your faith. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And then number two, believe in your heart. So what is simply faith? It's believing something in your heart, number one. And then number two, it's confessing that thing with your mouth. Even to be saved, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and God raised him from the dead. That's step number one to being saved, right? you got to believe that in your heart. I don't believe that Buddha's God or Allah's God or Muhammad's God or Confucius's God or Barack Obama's, you know, uh, the Lord. No, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord. I believe it in my heart. I know that he's the one true God and that there's no other way to be saved except through him and by calling on his name. So number one, you believe that in your heart. Then number two, you have to confess it with your mouth. Say confess it with your mouth. So it says it's by believing in your heart you're made right with God and by declaring declaring your faith that you are saved. So how are you saved? By believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Amen. You see that? That's how faith works. Say, that's how faith works. So let me go ahead and show you this in Hebrews chapter 11. Not only do you have to be saved by faith, If you can't tell, this was not what I was planning on talking about, but I feel the spirit on it, so hallelujah. We're just going to go with it for right now. Hebrews chapter 11. Put that up in the New King James. Faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Give me a thumbs up when you got it, please. Hebrews 11:1, New King James. I, I can't see it on the screen back here. Now faith is the substance of things, hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Say the substance. So this is how faith actually works. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So that word substance, it actually means the material. Faith is the material of the things hoped for. Let me ask you this question. Has anybody ever hoped for something before? Raise your hand. Has anybody hoped for something? Or you should say this, I I would like to see this thing. I would like to see that thing. Maybe it's healing in your body. Maybe you say, well, I've been hoping for God to touch my body. I've been hoping, wishing, desiring that God would do this. Well, you can hope all day long, but, you know, there's a difference between hope and faith. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, these three things will remain forever. Faith, what? Hope, and love. So, actually, faith and hope aren't the same thing. You know that when Jesus went around healing people, think about the woman with the issue of blood. She crawled up behind the Lord Jesus Christ, touched the hem of his garment, and and virtue went out from him. And he turned around and said, woman, your faith has made you well. Say your faith. Did he say your hope has made you well? No, your faith has made you well. And a lot of people don't receive from God because they spend their whole life in hope and they never enter into faith. Faith and hope are not the same thing. You know, the difference between faith and hope is simply this. Hope is future. Say future. There's actually only one thing that we should hope for in the New Testament. Did you know that? One thing the New Testament tells us as believers that we are to hope for, and it's the resurrection of the dead. It's the great hope. It's the the second coming, I should say, where the Lord comes... We're looking forward to that moment where the dead will rise in Christ and together with them we'll go and meet the Lord in the air and in just a moment we'll be transformed and we'll receive a glorified body. That is the hope. We look forward to it, right? But the thing about hope is it's always in the future, but look at faith. Now faith is. Now faith is. Say now. Here's the main difference between faith and hope. Hope is tomorrow. Faith is now. Say faith is now. Faith is now. Even the example of that woman with the issue of blood, if I took you to the passage and we broke it down, she said to herself, if I can simply touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. You know what that means? She wasn't hoping, well, maybe if I touch him, he'll pray for me, and in a year from now, I'll get touched, and two years from now, maybe I'll get healed. No, she believed that when I make contact with him at that moment something's going to happen in my body and I'm going to be healed that's what faith is it's now say it's now so i'll go ahead and show you by faith everything must be possessed by faith it's by faith we understand the entire universe was conform- was formed at god's command This is interesting. There's two parts to this verse, two ways that you could really interpret it. Number one, it's by faith that we believe that God created the universe. Right? We believe it by faith. That means God said it, that settles it, we believe it. Amen. Which is so funny because as science goes on, it's proving what the Bible said. It's like becoming easier and easier to believe, like to not even have to have faith because faith is not seeing. Say, not seeing. Faith is actually believing something without seeing it at all. Faith is when you believe it before you see it. Faith is being totally convinced. Uh, Wish I had like 17 different things I could put in my Bible to hold the page because I want to show you something else. Someone, someone remind me in a minute to go back to Mark 11, because we're going to get there, all right? We're getting there. But I'll give you a really good definition of what faith is here. Look at, you don't have to turn there, but put it on the screen for him. Romans 4, 20 through 22. Oh, thanks. Romans 4, 20 through 22. By the way, while I'm thinking of it, we have a gift. If you have not received a book, The Midas Touch, it's a gift for everybody. We'll have it available to you in the sound booth. We've bought books for one, not one per household. Okay, not one per person each get one, one per household. If you're in the same household, get one book so we can make them go as far as possible. But we have books for everybody, a, a great book by Kennedy Hagan. I want you to get a hold of it. We're going over it in the small group. If you're not going to be a part of a small group, that's fine. We still want you to have the book. It's just a gift to you. Okay, so it says, speaking of Abraham, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. Guys, here's, here's the essence of where faith begins, verse 21. He was fully convinced, say fully convinced, that God is able to do whatever he promises. That's the beginning place of faith. Fully convinced that God can do what he promises. If you're watching and you want to say, well, how do I get healing? How do I see healing come to my household? Number one, you've got to get in the word and become fully convinced that what the word says is true. True. We live in a negative, doubting world. We live in a world where every time you walk out the door, there'll be a thousand things coming in your, in, in, the, in your face trying to get you to doubt this word. But that's the beginning of faith. I am fully convinced that God said it. I believe it. Jesus, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that by his stripes we are healed. He was beaten so that we could be whole, he was whipped, or by his stripes we are healed. Are you with me? Matthew eight seventeen. 17, he took our sicknesses. He removed our diseases. The beginning of healing actually begins by becoming fully convinced that Jesus Christ paid the price for your healing. You have to believe that before you feel anything. You know you have to believe that while you're still experiencing symptoms of sickness? You have to fully believe it. When you see it in the word, you say, you know what? When I read this word, I can't doubt it. I can't get around it. I'm fully convinced, even though it's not what I'm currently experiencing, I am fully convinced that Jesus Christ paid the price for this, so therefore, I'm going to believe God. I don't have to live with this thing. I don't have to die with this thing. It's not my portion. It doesn't belong to me. Even though I may have these symptoms and this experience, I believe it even without seeing it. I'm fully convinced that God can do whatever he promises. And I'm fully convinced that God will see to, see to his word coming to pass. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. So number one, you've got to believe it in your heart. Say, believe it in your heart. So it says, even faith, by faith we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command. Yeah, so I was telling you that the people reading this, you know, they didn't really have scientific backing, but did you know they just released this thing called the James Webb Telescope? Have you, have you guys heard about that? So they have this theory of, of uh, light years, right, how light years work, and basically when you look up at the stars, you're, you're looking at a star that's 100 million light years away. Right? They'll say stuff like that. And so they'll say, what you're actually seeing right now is not that star. You're seeing that star 100 million years ago. Because it took 100 million years for the light to get to where you're currently standing. So they could have said that star could have actually blown up in a supernova 100 million years ago. And you're barely seeing it now because that's how long it took the light to get from where it was to where you are. That was the theory of this stuff. That's the whole theory of the Big Bang and where evolution and all this crap came from. So they they build this fancy little telescope. They say, we'll point this thing up or we'll launch this into space and we'll be able to look into deep space. And with, with all of this science that we're putting in these textbooks, we should hypothetically be able to see the origin of the universe. Guess what? All over, all over the news, we were wrong. All of our little theories, all the things we've been putting, they actually, they, if their theories of the Big Bang were correct, what they're seeing now is, is that it couldn't have been, that they've missed something, that there's still so much we don't know. And it's the simple conclusion, we did not come from a Big Bang. The Lord created the heavens and the earth, as the Bible said in the book of Genesis. So it's just a funny point that a couple of thousand years ago, they had to believe this by faith, but now even science is pointing towards the Creator the more that we evolve and we're seeing that it's pointing towards the creator. But it says, by faith, we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command. And what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So not only by faith do we have to believe it, but it actually says by faith the universe was formed. So another interpretation of this verse is that God used faith in order to form the universe. Why do I believe that that's accurate? It says because at God's command. What is faith? Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Faith is actually confessing something that you can't see. God spoke it out. Everything that was created was formed at his command from what cannot be seen. That is exactly what faith is. Are y'all with me here? Look at verse 32 of Hebrews 11. This is called the hall of faith, right? This is what, if you study the Bible, not the hall of fame, the hall of faith. Because it goes through all these people in the Bible that did these amazing things, and it just repeatedly says, "By faith they did this. By faith they possessed. By faith they conquered. By faith they overcame. By faith Moses would split the Red Sea. By faith they ate from, uh, they drank from the rock in the wilderness. By faith all of these things took place." And it says this, how much more do I need to say? Verse 32, it would take too long to recount the stories of faith, of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. By faith, say by faith. What is faith? By believing, being totally convinced of what God said is true. And then number two, confession. They overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them i want you to highlight that there they received what god had promised them they shut the mouths of lions they quenched flames of fire they escaped death by the edge of the sword their weakness was turned to strength wow hallelujah lord i feel weak how do i get strength by faith you get strength How do I get it by faith? Well, I got to get in the word. I got to get it in my heart. I got to get fully convinced of it. And then I have to begin to release it to obtain it. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and they put whole armies to flight. Hallelujah. This is helping me, y'all. Every time... I turn around, there's a religious devil in this community trying to come against something. I mean, I could write, Mary had a little lamb on the wall and there. You spelled it wrong. See, a cult spells it like that. If you were real, you would have put two R's, not one. I mean, but here's my whole point. By faith, we put entire armies to flight. We become strong in battle by faith. Say, by faith. So how do we actually get the victory? Complaining about it. Oh, can you believe what so-and-so did? No. By taking hold of God's word, though they may attack you from one direction, they'll scatter from you in seven directions, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So I got to get fully convinced of that in my heart and not go around, well, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Begin to speak the word out of my mouth. Lord, I thank you and I declare that as any enemy were to attack us from one direction, they shall go running from us in seven directions. Not one weapon of the enemy shall prosper in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. By faith you possess all that God has promised you. Say everything. Say that you can't possess one thing that's in the word without faith. And again, most Christians only know that salvation's in the word. That's the only thing that they know. Jesus died for me to go to heaven. That's all that they know. They don't know that healing's in the word. Healing is literally the Siamese twin of salvation. I mean, what do you do with stuff like this? When you read, things like this, read through the Gospels and you'll see this frequently occurring. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Say demon-possessed. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and he healed what? All. 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 Say all. 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 All the sick. He healed all the sick. Every, every person that came to Jesus, not one did he turn away, ever. And say, well, it's God's will, you know, stay in hope, my friend. You'll get healed one day. He healed them then. He healed them there. He healed them right there, right, right now. Why? Because faith is now. Faith is now. He never sent them away and said, keep waiting for it, keep looking for it. No, he healed them. He healed all the sick, each and every one. You know, the Bible says that God's not a respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for all. So if he healed all the sick then, and he's not a respecter of persons now, what, is it, what do you think his will is today? For all to be healed. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever. If this Christ that we read about went around healing the sick each time and every time, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, what does that mean today? That it's God's will for us to be healed in our bodies so, you've got to get fully convinced. That's the place of faith. I see it. I'm convinced of it. I may not be experiencing it, but I'm going to tell my experience to go back to hell because I believe what God's word says, and I'm going to possess this promise by releasing my faith. Hallelujah. Which, go back to now Mark 11. We see this modeled. Is this helping anyone? I know most of you know this, but man, this is like not a small doctrine in the Bible. Maybe God's doing it because for some of us, we need to get back to it. We've got lazy in it. And so now we're putting up with crap that, I'm sorry, I said crap twice. Now I said it three times. We're putting up with junk that we don't have to from the devil. We're just sitting here taking blows. Oh, Rocking and rolling. Okay, God, uh, in your sovereignty, oh, the Lord's handling it. That's not what Jesus said. Have faith in God. I just told you what faith is. That's why we went through all of that. Because if you don't know what faith is, you won't have any idea what he's talking about. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, who? You. Who's you? Me. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Put that verse up in the New King James, verse 23. Thanks for rocking and rolling with me, Tristan. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, say whoever. Guys, that means that there's no favorites. This works for anybody. This works for everybody. This is God's way for everybody without exception. That means that you can't begin to possess anything by faith. There's no other way to possess something by faith. There's no other, I should say this, there's no other way to get something from God than this. Whoever says to this mountain may be removed. Look at that authority. You see that? Mountain, would you please be, I'm just asking nicely, if you feel like it, would you please get out of the way? No, you speak, do you speak to God, is that what he said? Whoever says to the Lord, Lord, would you please remove this mountain that's standing in front of me? No, he says, whoever speaks to this mountain. What is the mountain? The mountain is the thing that's literally hindering you from all that God has promised you in the word. That can be sickness, that can be an attack of the enemy, that can be poverty, which we'll might, we might get into that. Did y'all know Jesus broke the curse of poverty? Poverty is a curse. Poverty is not some nice thing that makes you more pious and holy. Poverty again and again and again and again is clearly indicated as a curse all throughout the word of God. Every single time that the people of God walked in alignment with God's word, they were blessed, and every nation that came against the Lord was cursed with poverty, that their insects would consume their crops, that their, their wells would dry up, their, their their famine would hit the land. But yet when they walked according to the word of God, they walked in God's overflowing blessing. Poverty is a curse. So let's get to this. Let's get to the root of this. When you don't have enough to to pay your bills, that's a curse. That's not a part of the inheritance that you've received in Jesus Christ. Are you all with me here? Whenever you're sick, your children are sick, and, and, and they got a fever and a headache, it doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. It means the devil's overstepping his bounds. And you've got to speak to the mountain. Don't ask it. Don't plead with it. Don't beat around the bush. Be removed. You've got to speak to your situation. Guys, you've got to speak to your finances. You've got to speak to things that are, that are cutting off the circulation that's coming from the life of Jesus Christ flowing to his body. There's a blockage. You've got to speak to that blockage and say, get out of the way. I'm done playing games with you. Get off. Move. And be cast into the sea, but you cannot doubt in your heart, y'all. It's not a magic words. If you don't believe what I'm saying, you can say these words all day long, and nothing will happen. You're just saying bippity boppity boo, hocus pocus, wave the wand. If I said the magic words and spin around, all this stuff, all my dreams will come true, and that's not that's not the case. The key is this: you can't doubt in your heart. Romans 4. He was fully convinced. Say fully convinced say fully convinced that God is able to do everything that he promises. You know why most Christians suffer? Because they're ignorant. I didn't say they're dumb. I said ignorant. Ignorant means you may be a genius, but if you don't know something, then you're in ignorance about that subject. There is people that are geniuses, but if it came down to, The basketball, have you ever seen like a genius, try? like my father-in-law, he's a basketball coach. You could have a genius that works for NASA and then come on the basketball court, double dribble, picking up the ball, running around, like not having any idea. Are they dumb? No, they're not dumb. They're ignorant of the rules of basketball. And the Bible says that many people perish. For a lack of knowledge, my people perish, the Bible says. Is that in Hosea chapter nine? Give me a thumbs up, Tristan. For a lack of knowledge, my people perish. Put that verse up for me. It is Hosea 4, 6. Put that up for me. Is this helping anybody? If it ain't helping you, then I'm preaching to myself this morning. Praise. Put it up in the New King James, please. My people are destroyed because they don't know me. That's okay, but my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I told you, miss, most Christians suffer because they're ignorant. Guys, you can't have one thing in this word until you, you get in the word and see what it has to say. I mean, honestly, you want to, want to know the reason why most Christians spend their whole lives, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and it's like, I'm, I've i been so blessed. I'm a young man, I'm 27, and, and the Lord's begin to show me these things, and thank God because of great teachers and great leadership, but... I don't understand how somebody could go 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Maybe I should say this. Maybe it's because of bad teaching that was given to them, possibly. That's, that's really true. For a lot of good people, they're good-hearted people. But for a, a, another group of people, it's because simply they don't get into this word and they don't read it. They claim the name of Jesus. They say, I'm a Christian. I serve the Lord. But this is just a dusty little relic that sits on the shelf. And the word of God may be opened once if they decide to come to church once a month. And then that's their word for that month is the message that was preached. But most Christians like that don't come to a church like this. Most Christians like that are going to go to a church that's going to give them like a 12-minute little TED Talk with two verses. And that's the only word they're consuming for an entire month. And what's happening? They're suffering. What's happening? Their children are dying. What's happening? They're sick. What's happening? The enemy's wreaking havoc on their life. And it's not because God wants it for them. It's for a lack of knowledge. They're perishing and failing to possess what they could have if they would get in the word, get convinced of the word, and begin to use their faith to possess every promise given in the word. Hallelujah. Man, this is just good. Hallelujah. Put that verse back up in Mark 11, New King James 22 through 24. So Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, but does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done he will have whatever, whatever, he says. You know what this is saying? You can get into this word. I'm not talking about, you know, this won't work if you're outside of the word of God. Well, you know, some lady's walking down the street. Man, you see that lady's husband? M, mm, okay. In Jesus' name, you leave her and, you know, come over here. It ain't gonna work. <laughs> You're outside of the word of God. You're not fully convinced. You're just saying words. And and in fact, you're you're praying amiss because you're asking for things that will just satisfy your carnal nature, the Bible talks about. But this is talking about if you get in the word, get convinced of the word, see what God has undoubtedly promised to you and promised to me. You can speak and whatever you say, you'll have whatever you say. Is there any way you can put the whole thing up, not split up? 22 through 24. This was on the fly. You guys give a round of applause for the sound team back there. They're doing great. Hallelujah. You know why the Lord's giving me this message to go over again right now? It's because God's opened my eyes to something, which I'll t- I'll deal with before we close today. But we we have got to possess in this hour. We have to occupy. We've got to occupy till he comes. I'll get to some of that. But he says, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done. He will have what he says. So let's go back. Let's count something here. Whoever says. So this is how faith works, right? And Kenneth Hagin actually said this. Let's let's identify something. So he said, have faith in God for whoever says. So this is kind of the formula of how faith works. Says says, say, once. See, there it is once. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Now, hold up your other hand. So everybody put one up on one hand. Now you got says over here on the left. This is your right, right? And then believe over here. I can't really do both. But whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in his heart those things which he says, Will be done he shall have whatever he says so what do you see here you you have this formula for faith where you have to say three times as much as you believe right well I'm believing I'm believing I'm believing I'm believing how much are you saying 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 how much are you confessing you can believe all day long but if you believe in your heart and don't confess with your mouth you'll never obtain by faith what God has promised you come on somebody Y'all, I'm telling you, God showed me this stuff, and I have two children that are the fruit of faith in the world right now. My wife had miscarriages. You've heard the story, but if you're new, some of you are new. My wife was clinically diagnosed, hypothyroidism, protein S deficiency, chromosome problem, all this stuff. Where she, early on in our marriage, she had miscarriages, multiple, multiple miscarriages. Emberly Grace, I mean, I'm telling you guys, the Lord gave me her by his mercy. Because even when we had her, I didn't understand this. I didn't know this. She, we have Emberly, she's born, and then again, we go right back, we, we get ready to have another kid, miscarriage. But, you know, again, I was reading, and I remember the time that I came across this word, And it clicked, something clicked in me and I said, I see it. Jesus Christ paid the price so that I don't have to deal with this. I may have went through this, but something clicked in me and said, this was not from God and this is not right. God did not do this to me. In fact, I see in his word now, Jesus paid so that I would not have to go through this. But for a lack of knowledge, I perished and I suffered things that I didn't have to suffer. And when that clicked, we begin to stand on the word of God. You know, we went to the doctor with Oakland. They told her, you got all the stuff. Remember, she's had all these miscarriages. They told us with Oakland, here's 55 things wrong with you. If you don't do what we say, that child will die in the womb. A blood clot will form in the umbilical cord. She'll die in the womb. And so you know what I did? I had the word in me now at this point. I knew this. I had heard Kenneth E. Hagan actually say, you have to say three times as much as you believe. Well, I believed, but then I needed to say. So I actually wrote out a confession, and I've read that confession to this church before. I went back from my notes. I wrote out a faith-based confession from the word of God. And actually, I have a book. Somebody gave me the inspiration. I have confessions that I have speak out over finances, over the ministry. You know, we've seen literally this church, supernaturally given to us. That's another testimony. When we were gonna get this church and and launch out, we were told you're gonna need to have like you know half a million dollars at first and and you, you have like a month to do this. We had no loan from a bank. We had absolutely no money and God supernaturally delivered this property. We have this property from no loan from a bank. Did you know that? We have a loan from a person that stepped up provided all of the money that we needed, and we've been paying him back at 0% interest. I mean, it was supernatural what God did. We've seen God do that stuff again and again and again. I can tell you my pop who came up and testified how he's healed of cancer. You know, just recently, he, he went through treatment and God helped him, but even since then, he's received a miracle. They, he went to the doctor, and they said, all the scar tissue in your throat, you'll never eat again. Y'all, and it made me mad when I heard that. It made me so mad. We were in prayer. He was at a prayer service, and it was from the Spirit of the Lord. It rose up out of me, and I said, you will eat by the end of this week in Jesus' name. And he ate. That week, he ate. He's been eating ever since. Amen. But he can tell you that whenever he was diagnosed with cancer, I told him, I said, Anytime we talked, it was just me trying with the word. I want you to listen to it. I want you to hear it. I want you to see it. I want you to believe it. god's you're, you're not going to be forsaken in this. The enemy can't have your life. The enemy can't steal you. We're going to believe God. And, and it was just pushing the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. I actually think I told Pop at one point, I said, my job in this is not to coddle the cancer my job i feel from the lord in this is i just want to keep pumping faith 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 to believe what god said in his word now look at him he looks like he never even had cancer looks just good as new i mean supernaturally looks amazing but they told us this with our daughter you're going to form a blood clot in your womb you're going to she's going to die in the womb we had already had multiple miscarriages they say, you need to come to us once a week, take a trip to Tyler once or twice a week, get these blood thinning shots, all this stuff. And our faith was tested because whenever the doctors told us, I, I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm not telling you don't take your medicine. I'm not going to say that. But I knew in my spirit right then and there, I said, no, we're going to believe God. And she told the doctor, she said, we talked about it. I didn't tell her, force her. We made the agreement. We're going to believe God. Because I don't know about you, but I, 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 I don't want to live in this little carnal world. I want to see the supernatural hand of God in my life. I'm not going to die without seeing miracles all throughout my life. I'm not going to die living a complacent, lukewarm, religious Christianity. I'm going to die when I leave this earth one day. I'm going to have testimonies that my children will preach And tell the world. And I hope you do too. I hope that you've settled that. That you know what? I'm going to believe God. I'm going to live this life believing God. And so we said to heck with your shots, to heck with all of that. And the Lord had me write out a confession. Where again, I I spoke. I didn't pray to God. I would go out and say, I decree Oakland River Wallace will be born healthy in Jesus' name. Chris Carissa and Oakland are disqualified from complications according to the word of God. She will live and she will not die. I rebuke the spirit of death. I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. And I decree life in the name of Jesus Christ. It was a confession s- similar to that. And the Lord would have me go out. And I'm telling you, I went out every day for months. When I say months, I mean three, four months every day. And I would repeat these confessions again and again. And how many times, John? I would repeat it till I believed what was coming out of my own mouth. If we got we would go to the doctor and they would say something negative. Oh, now you got gestational diabetes. You know what I'd do? Go back to the word. I got this report, Lord, this is horrible, this is from the devil, but instead of giving in to the fear, I'd go out and I'd just begin to decree that word again, I'd say it once, twice, three times, some days I had to say it ten times, and then finally on the tenth time, I felt faith, I believe what I'm saying. And if you say, and you believe the things that you say, he said you will have what you say. Believe it in your heart and release it with the authority of your mouth. Well, you know the story. The Lord took care of us. The Lord, we never took any of that stuff. Oakland was born into the world. In fact, when she was hooked up because that she was diagnosed with all of these problems, the doctor said, we're going to have to induce her. It's not safe for her to have a, go into na- labor naturally. We're going to induce her two days before her due date. We went into the doctor to for the induction, which our faith has grown more now. We look back, and we're like, we would have told those doctors, stick it where the sun don't shine. We're not doing that. We'll tell you, that was the worst thing. And so, Oakland comes, and I saw it with my own, with my own eyes. I mean, I had prophesied. I had prayed over this baby. I knew she was my Isaac from the Lord. She came out of that womb totally unresponsive, white, limp. They didn't let me cut the cord. They didn't let us see her. They, re- they re- cut the cord. They grabbed the baby, and they immediately took off, and she got on the walkie-talkie and started screaming, we need help, we need help. All of a sudden, doctors started flooding in. They threw her on the table. But she was my Isaac. What do I mean by that? Just like Abraham, he, was, he knew this is my promise from God. God. So even when God asked him to put Isaac on the altar, he knew God will raise this body up if he has to because this is my promise from God. And it came out of my spirit as they were doing this stuff. I just began to, Carissa said I walked up to the table. I don't remember. The gift of faith came on me. And I walked through the room and I walked up to the table and I was just praying in tongues the whole time. And out of me, I mean, I'm telling you, it wasn't me. It was like a lion. It was like another person in me. It was Jesus in me. Man, hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is what it must have been like to watch him. No doubt, just authority. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come alive. I slapped my hands and I watched as literally her heels turned pink and it went up her ankles and it went up her legs and it went up her torso. And when it hit the top of her head, she started to cry. And then, you know, our faith, I mean, it was just so strong. When you see God do that, it changes something in you. You know, man, I'm sorry. I just feel emotional. It's amazing. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. I want to encourage you to push through. Whatever you're going through, push, use your faith. Because there's a breaking point. I'm telling you, you will break into another level if you'll stand on the Word of God and believe it. And when God comes through and does it, I'm telling you, it just it takes you to a whole nother level. To believe God for that thing, and so when it came time for Magnolia, we know we just we did never have a doubt. It just it was just a level of faith. I never doubted is she going to be okay. I never had a thought is she is something going to happen to her. I just believed. I just had confidence in God. And you know her story. It was supernatural. No medication. We had a home birth. No doctor. No hospital. No uh, thing to numb her. What's that called? Uh, Epidural. She didn't do anything like that. You know, she woke me up in the morning just about a month ago. We had our baby. And we, we called the midwife. By the time the midwife got there, Carissa was just walking around the house, you know, a little uncomfortable, just walking around. We get a birthing pool out. She gets in that pool, says, I feel like I need to push. I mean, this is just happening so fast. And the midwife's like, no, not yet. Let me check you. No, I feel like I need to push. She wasn't even screaming. She wasn't like, she was just kind of uncomfortable a little bit. Next thing you know, the midwife says, all right. You can, if you need to push, you can push a little bit. I'm sitting there trying to comfort my wife. I look down, and here comes a baby floating up out of the water. But, I mean, it was amazing because after the baby came, this is crazy, but the midwife, if you've never seen this, it's, just so, it's a miracle. She showed us the placenta that the baby had lived in, the umbilical cord. She laid all of that. When all of that was passed, she took it all out and showed us. And she, she, the placenta, it was so thick. It was, she said that if I was in medical school and I were to be studying, excuse me, if I was in medical school and I were to be studying this thing from a textbook perspective, this is literally a textbook perfect placenta. The thickness, the color, how. The, the cord, it, you know there's multiple places the cord can be it was right in the middle, some babies get strangled because the cord was so is so short it wraps around their neck and it begins to strangle them, her cord was the perfect length, it was the perfect thickness and I, I'm telling you guys something there may be a season where you don't see the thing you're believing for but God is not one that will leave you in that place, you're not just going to have to live by faith for your entire life never seeing what you believe for whenever you get healed and touched by the Lord. It can be medically documented, tested, proven that that Jesus Christ is alive and he's resurrected. And the power of God can touch you today the same as it touched people 2,000 years ago in the Bible. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. But you have to speak to the mountain. There's there's several elements in play with this. You've got to believe God's word. Say that. Say believe God's word. I mean, you have got to lay yourself out on the altar and believe God. This may cost me everything, but I believe your word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay myself out to believe you. And then you have to obey God's word. You can't be walking in disobedience from the word of God. So I'm telling you, I don't tell it to you out of judgment, out of condemnation, but get sin out of your life. Sin is a foothold for the devil. Sin provides a foothold for you. You can pray and and do all this stuff, all that you want, but as long as there's sin, there's an open door for that spirit, that unclean spirit and a spirit of infirmity to build a house in your life. And then you have to speak. Say speak. You have to speak to the mountain. You've got to get in the word. You've got to believe it. You've got to speak it. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. I've seen it work. I'm going to see it work more and more. I'm going to put it to work more and more. Hallelujah. It works. Some of you need to get a new fire for the things of God in your life. Some of us have just been letting the devil do things that he has no right to do. We've been letting the imposter, we've been letting the the thief come in and steal from us. Some of you, you've stopped, you believed at one point, but you stopped believing. You used to confess, but you stopped confessing. You have stopped pushing. Maybe you went through a season where you were having to believe without seeing, and the fact that you didn't see it made you draw weary. And that's why the Bible says don't grow weary. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. I understand that in that time of not seeing, you can grow weary. I'm believing, I'm confessing, I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm not seeing anything. Don't grow weary, just simply believe the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, breakthrough, testimonies, healing, provision, miracles, in the church. Maybe some of you got a breakthrough. Maybe some of you got a miracle. I know I've been guilty of times and not that we're doing some extravagant thing but it's like I push and I push and I, and I see God do it and then guess what? It's just easy. Once you, you see it, I, c- I could ask my pop, I'm sure he, he could tell you the same thing. Once you get a miracle, we have a tendency to just i'm just going to ride right, right here then i'm just going to stay right here i've maybe some of you could tell a story just like that and say john 20 years ago 15 years ago 10 years ago the lord did this that's amazing but there's more there's more You used your faith and you possessed and and, and you received it. You achieved it. You were able to go and do what the Lord was telling you to do. But I'm telling you right now, now it's time to refocus on the word and say, okay, Lord, what is it for the next season of my life now? What is this next step? What is this next thing? Because the righteous live by faith. That doesn't mean the righteous use their faith once. It means every single day, every month, every year, you live a life of faith. That means that you use your faith to possess. And what do you do once you possess? You keep using your faith because there's always more. From glory to glory. Victory to victory. I'm telling you the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I want to just speak over some of you. I'm going to close this service in just a moment. But I told you, if it's in the word, you got to grab a hold of the word. Look at this, and if it's in the Bible, if it's a promise from God, you use your faith to possess all that God has promised you. Look what God said in Deuteronomy 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all the commands I'm giving you today. Here's the key with it, though. Say full obedience. All of what I'm about to read is also contingent, not just on faith. As I said, we've got to believe the word, obey the word, Release the word. If you fully obey, I would challenge you in this room today, make sure that we're walking in full obedience. Y'all, I had to get up and repent during prayer time to the prayer group and say, listen, this week the Lord showed me where we've deviated on some things in the church. The Lord showed me that he had took me in a flow, and for whatever reason, this thing, that thing, I don't know what, but we, I kind of got out of the flow. And I said, it's not something I want to do, but I want to humble myself, and, and we're going to get back into the flow of what God called us to, called us to be, called us to do. Why? Why not just let it go? And, because I have to fully obey the Lord. Carefully keep his commands I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You be a people, it says, claimed by God. In this last day, in this last hour, God's having to retrain my, 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 the way of thinking. There's such a work that needs to be done. Guys, I'm telling you, that this last hour, it's not going to be the world prospering while the church is suffering. The, 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 the Lord is making the church a city on a hill. The darker the church, the world's going to get, the brighter, the more magnificent the church is going to look. We're going to be a people claimed by the Lord. We're going to be a peculiar people I mean, I'm being honest with you, Christians running companies and multimillionaires, and, and the church doing things that the government could never do in a community. The church stepping up and literally doing what the government could never do in a million years for the community. I'll set you on high, he said. And it's not about us chasing that place of prestige. Well, I'm trying to be famous. I'm trying to be rich. Well, I'm trying to be this and that. No, he said, if you obey my word, I'll do it for you. You won't have to do it for yourself. Because he said, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. Who will? God will. The Lord will. Come on, the Lord will. Not me, not I'm going to have to climb the ladder and struggle and strive to try to get ahead. No, the Lord will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all of these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Say all. That means for us today. You know, this was a covenant promise that God gave to Israel. Covenant promise. And in fact, this promise, if you really dig into the scripture was made to honor the covenant that he made with their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He refers to it multiple I'll do this for you because of my covenant with my servant Abraham. Do you understand the realities of, of in the New Testament, how it says, now in Galatians chapter 3, by faith we are the children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. So that means the way that God gave this covenant to these people because they were the seed of Abraham, we've received it ourselves in the new covenant because we are the seed of Abraham. Are you all with me? Your towns and fields will be blessed. Say blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. That was one scripture I stood on. And I may sound morbid, but I said, Lord, my child can't be dead and blessed at the same time. You said my children would be blessed. You said that my fruit would not fall from the vine before its time. You said there would be no miscarriages amongst us. That, Lord, I know, I know that this is my promise. You know, every thought tried to settle in when that was our journey. We're Christians. You meet the Christians that say, well, maybe God just wants you to adopt. Maybe he wants me to adopt. But my child doesn't have to die in order for God to get me to adopt a child. Are you with me? I can have a child and adopt a child. Isn't that crazy to think that that I don't have to pick or choose? But the devil dresses things up and makes it like light, like it seems righteous and good and comforting, and he dresses things up to try to get you to buy into that lie, to compromise a birthright. Your children will be blessed. Your crops will be blessed, y'all. Some of you believing for your kids to get saved, your children will be blessed in Jesus' name. You can say all day long. Well, you know, I should have done this. I should have done that. I, you know, I, I wasn't running for the Lord like I should have. And man, if I would have known now, what, what if I would have known then what I know now? Well, guess what? You don't. You didn't. But that's okay. You can claim this today. Now that you know. My children will be blessed. You can't be blessed and go to hell at the same time. Anybody receive that? Say that. Say, my children will be, not might be, will be blessed. Say, I'm going to release my faith through the authority of my words. My children will be blessed in Jesus' name. He'll bless the offsprings of your herds and flocks. They'll be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. See, I I told you how they put armies to flight. How? By faith. So we confess that the Lord will conquer your enemies. Any person that raises them, themselves up against the work of God, we're not going to have to cut them off and, and fight them and do anything like that. The Lord will take care of it. We just declare it in faith. The Lord will take care of it. Anybody trying to rise up and come against our outreach, we, aren't gonna, we don't have to do anything. The Lord himself will take care of it. We're going to go Saturday, set up shop, hand out food, pay people's bills, preach the gospel, tell them about Jesus, get them saved, water baptized, we're going to do the whole thing, just like we did last time. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything that you do. Man, I'm guaranteed. Say guaranteed. Does that sound like struggle to you? Does that sound like a curse to you? Does that sound like can't get by he guarantees a blessing on everything that you do guys I'm telling you I I know like I know you may be sitting here saying like I how is that possible how is that true you have to believe it before you see it are y'all with me The same way that I had to believe that about my wife and my child whenever we were getting negative doctor's reports, I had to be fully convinced of it. you got to get fully convinced of this. God wants you blessed. He does not want you living in a poverty situation. Do you believe that? Does everybody believe this in this room? God wants you blessed. And I just cursed any religious thought and devil that makes us feel like God doesn't want us blessed. God wants you blessed. If you're in a situation right now where you're like, I'm living in a little apartment not big enough for my children, you can be sure that God wants better for you. He's willing to give you better. He will give you better. You don't have to just settle with it. Use your faith to begin to obtain the promises of God. Well, Brother John, I don't even have a car. I'd like to go to work, but I don't even have a car. God said he would provide the things that you need for life. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It says the Lord will bless you. He guarantees a blessing on everything that you do. He'll fill your storehouses with grain. Thank you, Jesus. And I just speak that over the church. Lord, we don't have to pursue after it. We don't have to chase after money. We don't have to chase after material things. You will fill our storehouses with grain. We believe it. We receive it. Does anybody receive that in here this morning? Come on, if you receive that God's going to fill your storehouse with grain, I want you to just lift your hands and say, I receive it right now. I'm going to use my faith to possess it right now. You guys, you, you, this is where the religious, you'll lose the religious crowd. You know how many times I've had to speak? Bank account, I command you to fill up in Jesus' name. And it ain't like I flipped open the page the next day and, oh, my gosh, all this money. Like, but then the Lord just began to bring it in from the north, south, east, west. We've had provision come in for this church that is just absurd. At one time, we literally had a person come in here, and this is big for us. We had one person give a $25,000 check. One person, a year or so ago. You guys know that this is crazy. During that time, I mean, it was like we were just barely, like we were living by faith. I'm telling you, we were, (laughs) give me today my daily bread, Lord. And I began to confess that. I said, it is impossible. I made a faith decree. It is impossible for this account to run dry. According to the word of God, he said, I'll be blessed. He said, my store, he'd fill my storehouses with grain. It is impossible. I just began to decree it. For this ministry account to run dry, it is impossible in Jesus' name. And I actually began to rebuke the devil. If there's lack and there's poverty, and I know I'm not living in sin or disobedience, then it's, it's Satan who is the one choking the line. So I said, I stood in our authority, Luke 10, 19. Satan, take your hand off of the provision for the work of the Lord. Ministering spirits, Hebrews chapter 1, go and cause it to come in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I prayed that every day for about two weeks, and literally within two weeks we had a a random person, didn't even come to this church, come in and give the church a $25,000 check. Do you think that's coincidence? That's not a coincidence. That's possessing something by faith. I've done it. We're going to send all of our kids. The Lord tells me, take your kids to Florida. Fly them out there. Get a house for them to stay in. Take them to Dr. Rodney's church. You start looking up plane tickets, Airbnb, renting a bus. You're looking at $5,000, $6,000, 7000 $8,000. I mean, it just goes up and up. I can't, I can't tell you, even this last year, doing exactly what I'm telling you, Using the faith. I command it to come in in the mighty name of Jesus. We're not going to scratch for it. We're not going to beg for it. In fact, you know, the Lord told me this. He told me after, not this last year, the year before that, never do another fundraiser again. The Lord said, you're, you're my children. You're my people. You shouldn't have to go stand on the sidewalk with a sign saying, bake, sell for a dollar, to have the world Give you a dollar here and a dollar there to fund what I told you to do. Just believe. And I'm telling you, we had it all covered, every bit of it covered. Some of you guys responded to that. There was times that we would take up offering and there was $1,000 here, $1,000 there, just in cash thrown in there for the youth trip. I mean, the Lord did it. Hallelujah. Anybody receiving from this today? I'm telling you, this is the stuff no one wants to talk about, but it's the stuff that will literally change your life. How to practically put it into work. I'll also say this too you cannot not work and then expect God to fill your storehouses with grain. Because the Bible commands us to work. Did you know that? And you need to work full time, you need to go to work. If you're not going to work, you're actually walking in disobedience to the word of God. And as we said, this is all contingent. If you fully obey the Lord your God. Go to work. Get in line with the word of God. Begin to use your faith and watch God bless you. Are you all with me? Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about those that work hard in preaching and teaching. I'm one of those. I I stand in the office of a pastor. I don't just show up haphazardly here. I work hard at preaching the word, studying, rightly dividing, trying to dig into the word of God. I could not treat this lightly and then expect God to financially bless this ministry. I have to work extremely hard in in the realm that God has called me to. And so do you. I'm about done here. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore that he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they'll stand in all of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land that he swore to your ancestors. Say prosperity. Blessing you with many children. Many children. Numerous livestock and abundant crops. People keep saying, John, why do you just keep having kids? Well, it's actually a part of prosperity. He didn't say with one child. He said with many children. Amen. Many children. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in heavens and will bless all the work that you do. Wow. So he'll send rain at the proper time. So that actually means he'll bless all the work that you do. Say the work. So part of God's prosperity. I didn't even see this is you work, and he will pour out favor to come behind the work that you're doing. Are y'all with me? So don't sit here like this. Don't sit here. What am I supposed to do? I'm telling you, get out, get a job, get to work, and God will send rain. He'll send favor to come behind your obedience to his word. Hallelujah. You will lend to many, but you'll never need to borrow from them. Does anybody in here say, I want to be the lender, not the borrower? I want to be the person that can lend to other people, not the one that can't pay for a car. I would like to be the one that as my brother or sister that comes into the faith need a car, I could write it in, in, in one check and buy them a car and lend it to them and then allow them to, you know, whatever pay you back or whatever the Lord tells you to do. But who would like to be the lender and not the borrower? Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm telling you, it's true. And I know we run to the banks for everything. I'm not condemning anybody. I have a loan on my car that I'm like, Lord, I want to get out of this as quick as possible. But the ultimate reality is that the the children of God and God's highest will for us is to not have to go to the world to obtain these things. Let me go to the some backslidden bank who, have you already seen that banks are shutting down doing business with people? Did you know that P- PayPal came out and actually put it in their terms and conditions that if you do what they deem as hate speech, they can deduct $2,500 from your account? That if they censor, if PayPal, if you have a PayPal account, and they look back and say you're a ministry, you're a preacher, and they say you did something that, that we consider hate speech, they put it in their terms and condition. They will literally deduct 2,500 dollars out of your account. You know, there's banks, Christian celebrities that have tried to stood up and be more conservative. There's banks that literally are like, "We're ending our relationship with you. We're, we're, we're freezing accounts. We're, you cannot do business with us." God is not expecting us to run to a wicked system to get the things that we need. Come on somebody. We've got to use big faith to possess the big things that God's called us to do. I'm telling you right now, I'm believing God. Very soon, we're going to have this place completely filled up with people being discipled in the word of God. And there will come a day, I'm releasing my faith now. We're going to go to Lufkin and we're going to buy. There's a building I have my eye on in Lufkin, Texas. I always see that old Kmart building. Anybody know what I'm talking about right across the street from the mall that old Kmart building. I look at that building every time. I'll drive by it. You can ask my wife. I'll say, "Lord, thanks for my building." Revival House Church. Hallelujah. The Lord will send rain at the proper time. He'll bless the work you do. You'll you'll lend to many. You'll never need to borrow. If you listen to the commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today nor follow after other gods and worship them. And if you could go into the last half of the chapter, it's like, 70 verses of a curse for disobedience. Okay, so just say this. Say, when I obey God, I will be blessed. When I disobey God, I will be cursed. Say, I cannot be blessed while disobeying God, and I cannot be cursed when I obey the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord one shout of praise for that. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I'm going to take up our tithes and our offerings. Uh, Ushers, go ahead and pass out an envelope to everybody. If you think that I'm just trying to pep you up, oh, I'm going to get you excited, and oh, now we're going to try to get an offering out of you. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. Um, Now, if you're excited, praise God, and you want to give something in, in faith to God, Don't do it emotionally. Do it it in faith. But I do want to say this. I had a whole message talking about the time is now, and I didn't preach one look of it. But the essence of the message is just very simply this. Jesus said the hour is coming when no man can work. And he said i actually just read you the verse. It's just one short verse. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work. Okay, there's a time coming when no one can work. You You see that? Just think about this. There is a time that is coming when no man can work, but that time is not right now. What are we to do right now? Quickly carry out the tasks that the Lord has given to us. And my, my message again was, the time is now. And I was going to lead you through different events that the Bible talks about in the last days. The Antichrist system, extreme persecution, the great apostasy, America will no longer... America will fall more than likely. This, these different events that happen in the scripture. But the message that the Lord wanted me to come and really tell you is just simply this. That time will come, but that time is not now. Listen to me. It's not time for America to fall right now. America won't fall right now. America won't fall right now. I've thought, and even in myself, being honest, this is something I had to repent from. I was just kind of buckling in, kind of thinking, all right, Lord, this is it. All this stuff's going to happen. And the Lord led me through the scripture to back it, the statement, that really, the greatest outpouring. I mean, the prophets have been talking about a third great awakening taking place in the United States of America. This is not the Antichrist's time. That time is coming, but that time is not now. God is opening up a window for a mighty move of the Spirit of God to sweep across the United States of America one more time. One, I'm telling you, one, it's one last push. This won't be just one little meeting or something that happens that goes down in history. This is going to be one last push where God's going to shake this nation. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not getting into politics, and I don't really think God... God's going to do it regardless. But America is not lost yet. There is a red wave coming in the United States of America. And it's not just about a bunch of Trumps supporting conservatives. But what I am telling you is that this anti-Christ, communistic, liberal agenda that's being shoved down this country's throat and trying to bind this country up, it will be broken. And we will see freedom from those things in this country again. The devil's trying to convince everybody that your, your, your job's at risk. All this stuff is at risk. But, but I'm telling you that God, not only is he going to move by his spirit, but it's going to even open up politically. I believe, again, I believe that we will have friends politically that will help come behind the church in this, with this last great push. And so I could teach on all of that. I'm not going to. But it just backs up this one phrase. I was praying Several months ago, we were in a prayer service we have on Sunday nights, and the Lord spoke this to me. and He said this to me, "John, you must prosper." And I always knew from the word that prosperity, it was from God, it's something we should use our faith to obtain, and it sure would be nice. but I'm telling you, something switched in me. It was like a command from God. You have to prosper. You must prosper. You must prosper." And I don't really think I understood that word. But I am now understanding what God is doing. Why? Why must we prosper? And I'm going to give the same word to you, church. You must prosper. Okay? This is a little bit. The Lord had me come out with a really strong teaching, and and the Lord said, and I'll ultimately tell you why. The Lord told me to do that, and I've asked the Lord why. Why now, Lord? Why you had me come out and really teach against materialism and all of those things really strong. And And I really believe because God's getting ready to pour out, I'm talking extreme prosperity on some people, even in this very church, but your heart has to be ready to receive it. You have to be ready to receive what God is going to do. If you're not ready, you it will destroy you. It will literally destroy you. And you will totally be destroyed by something that God gives you. And you may even even end up in hell because of it but we must prosper say we must prosper why must we prosper Kenneth Hagan in this book that we're reading said prosperity is simply a means to an end the end being world evangelism world evangelism say world evangelism okay world Jesus said go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey the things that I have commanded you. Jesus went around preaching, teaching, healing the sick. These signs will follow those that believe. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll drink something poisonous that won't harm them. They'll place their hands on the sick. They shall recover. Right? Jesus has commissioned the church to go and build the kingdom of God. Are you all with me? We're in a window right now where, where God... America's not finished. There's a window where we're, I'm telling you, we're going to see an acceleration of this stuff happening in the United States of America. World evangelism. Amen. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. So, but world evangelism flows through the church. You know, ultimately, it's our job to go out and do exactly what we're doing. We just did an outreach. Where we went, we set up shop, we blessed people, we prayed, uh, people got saved. We have multiple pictures of that. It flows through the local church. God's going to be raising up not only this church but multiple churches all across the country with this purpose of we've got to get out and win the lost. We've got to get out and win the lost. We've got to get out and win the lost. I have something in my spirit that I don't even want to blast it yet because I don't want to give the enemy time to, to do anything But I want to, at some point, we're going to rent a venue in Lufkin, Texas, downtown, put up a stage and do an Angelina gospel festival. If the pagans can come in and do LGBT and and the Satanists can come into Tyler and do all their little pagan festivals, we can put up a stage. We can hand out hundreds of dollars. We can do this thing and preach the gospel downtown in in a public space. God's increasing the work, okay? And here's this, the simple reality. As the work increases, so does the cost. So the world evangelism, world evangelism flows through the church. Let me ask you this. Who funds the church? Say, I do. Well, Jesus does, but he does it through us. Say, I do. I do. So if the Lord needs the body of Christ to prosper in this last push, and it's funded through you, what does that mean? God must prosper you. Come on, somebody. If God needs the church to prosper in this last time, you know, that event that we did, very simple event, but that event cost us $1,000 to do. We're going to be doing one every single month. and I'm not trying to throw this out like, oh, you know, you should give back to it. No, I'm telling you, we're going to do this every month. I have vision in me to raise up teams where we're doing multiple of these events at the same time in different cities. Come on. Can you imagine that? Multiple teams going out with trailers, with sound systems. They pull up to a neighborhood that they've been flying. They've been knocking on doors. They preach the gospel. And we're seeing multiple different places getting hit by the power of God and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and getting blessed. There'll come a time we're going to need five or six or seven of those buses going out all the time, bringing people into this church. You can't pay for buses on faith. But you can use your faith to get what you need to pay for the buses. Are y'all with me? So as the work increases, so is the cost. And if world evangelism comes to the church and we are the ones that fund the church, that means God must prosper us. Y'all see that? I know for our church, I'm believing God. We need more interns. We have one intern. He's out every day knocking on doors, preaching the gospel. There's going to come a time we're going to need 10. We're going to need 15. We're going to need to provide salaries for them so they don't have to go work at Burger King and nothing, nothing, anything's wrong with that, but the efforts are totally put into the harvest. I mean like just pounding, pounding, pounding away at this thing. That's where God's taking us. I'm telling you, that's where he's taking us. He's put it in my spirit. That's where we're going. There's going to come a time, uh, the Lord's going to do a work in this place. We're going to outgrow this room and we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to do something with this building. We're going to have to I know you're looking around saying well there's a lot of empty chairs. I'm telling you by faith what I've seen in my spirit what God's going to do. God's going to raise up a church not just in Huntington in Angelina County. God's given me words of what's going to flow out of the sit out of the the city seat of Angelina the 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 county seat out of Lufkin, Texas. What's going to flow out of Lufkin, Texas? God's going to raise up a a, a county-wide church, and I believe that's us, because what the Lord's put in my spirit to do, where you're going to have a word of of faith preaching, Holy Ghost filled, signs, wonders, and miracles, revival meeting, in full operation of all the gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, nothing left out, nothing hindered. God's going to raise it up in Angelina County. There will come a time in the next few years the Lord may tell us as a church, you're gonna, I'm asking you to do something that's going to cost millions of dollars to do. And I'm telling you, I release my faith right now. God will bring it in. God will bless you. He'll use you. It'll come through you. God will bring other people in to see this come to pass. You know, and I've heard things. I know if you're like me, I've heard things like said like this. And I mock it all the time. And this is where the Lord had to correct me. Like, this is going to be the best 12 months that you've ever had. And I've thought, yeah, right. You know, come on. Really? Just honestly, yeah, right. Where's the suffering? Where's the hardship? And there's two things that you need to understand of why the Lord has shifted my heart behind that. Number one, God raised up America to achieve world evangelism. Do you know that that this is a covenant nation? God, ra- America, there's two nations on the earth that were birthed in covenant with God. Israel was birthed because God made a covenant with people and America was birthed because people made a covenant with God. Are y'all with me? And God has used America. Did you know this? That America actually funds eighty percent of all world missions. Eighty percent. The United States of America funds eighty percent. Does that show you about the freedom? You know, it's like we're, that's why people have such a problem with the with the gospel, with the prosperity thing, is because they think it's just so American. You know, where's the suffering? Where's the persecution? There were men that made a covenant with God that established this place where we do have freedoms, but it's not freedom just to be heathens and self-consumed. It's to prosper so that we can fund world evangelism. Are you all with me? So number one, God raised up America to achieve world evangelism. And number two, God has to get prosperity to believers to get it into world evangelism. And so the statement of, this is going to be the best 12 months that you've ever had, that statement doesn't really work just for anybody. If I just pulled some random person out that's not serving the Lord and said, shook them and said, this is going to be the best 12 months you ever had, could potentially be, or because they could be blessed or potentially they could walk in a curse depending on what they chose to do, right? But I'm going to tell you something. Say souls. Say souls. If you will make souls the purpose behind everything that you do, it's, it's genuinely, it's souls, it's souls, it's souls. Lord, I want, I want business. Why do I want business? Why do I want to start my own business? Why do I feel like you've called me to start my own business? There's got to be a desire, and you say, one day I want to write a million-dollar check to fund, the, 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 to fund world evangelism. I mean, it's stuff like that. And God will genuinely test a person's heart. Is it true in their heart what they're saying? But if you make souls, number one, behind business, behind what you're doing, if if this church will make souls and we won't just build a castle here, Where we think, you know, if the Lord starts blessing this, well, let's just get, let's redo the kitchen. And then we redid the kitchen, so let's rip it out in another year and let's redo it again. That's so stupid. If we'll make souls, what what the focus is, Lord, if you bless us and increase us, sure, we'll have a beautiful place. It'll be great. But the push is going to be sending laborers into the harvest field. Preaching the gospel, getting the gospel into the community. Oh, we want to rent a stage and put it downtown. Oh, that'll cost you $40,000. No problem. Here you go. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's what God's doing right now. So you hear things like that. This will be the best 12 months you've ever had. I always thought, yeah, right. But I'm telling you that if a person will hook in with souls, that statement will become a reality. Why? Because of John 4, 35 through 36. Knowing... You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are ready and ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. Say the harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit that they harvest is people brought into eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvesters alike. If you become about souls, I mean truly in your heart, you get behind the kingdom of God, in this window, in the freedom of this country, you will watch God come behind you and pour out favor at the proper time and bless the work of your hand. Are y'all getting this this morning? Man, hallelujah. Well, if not, that was for me then. Praise God. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.